Are you interested in a true crime podcast with a different point of view with hosts who have seen the justice system from the inside? Then you should check out Alice and Brett and their show, The Prosecutors. In every episode, Alice and Brett bring a unique perspective as full-time prosecutors to the most famous and debated true crime mysteries, whether it's John Benet Ramsey, Maura Murray, Scott Peterson, or the Delphi murders, they dig deep to bring you the details that you won't hear anywhere else. The Prosecutor's Podcast is about more than just storytelling. Alex and Brett will walk you through the legal problems lurking behind every case. They break down the complexities of the criminal justice system with a little bit of humor and personal touch. And it's not just true crime. They bring the same training and approach that they've learned as prosecutors to classic mysteries like the Dialtov Pass incident and the ghost ship Marie Celeste. So if you're looking for a true crime podcast with a different point of view, a different approach, The Prosecutors is the podcast for you. I listen to this one myself. Highly recommend. Britt and Alice are great. You can find The Prosecutors wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stove Lake Media. Igniting conversation. The river city of Owensboro, one of the largest cities in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, was rocked by the abduction and murder of a young woman in 1986. What transpired after will lead to two more missing people, lost confession tapes, and one of the strangest and most terrifying mysteries of the Ohio Valley. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mysteries of the Ohio Valley. My name's Nate, along with my podcast pal, D. Bizzle, okay, Devin Beasley, and we're ready to dive into another wild mystery that takes place in the Ohio River Valley. Dev, this is maybe one of the strangest and scariest cases that we've covered so far, and I feel like I hint that same sentiment every episode, but this time I like really, really, really mean it. Like, I think this one might strike a couple of nerves, so uh, buckle up, everyone. For sure. I can't disagree with you on that one. And this one hits hard, and I think it's going to hit extra hard because of the multiple disappearances that we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, let's remind everyone about how they can support our show if they're liking the stories that we're putting out. First thing you can do is, if you like our show, is to follow us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star review. And that goes a really long way for us in getting our stories to more people throughout the valley. If you want to go a step further without spending a nickel, you can follow us on Instagram at Ohio Valley Mysteries. But if you got some money burning a hole in your pocket and you want to spend it on us, you can get ad-free episodes and a bonus monthly episode from us for only a dollar over on Patreon. It's pretty cool. So just for 10 dimes and 20, yep, 20 nickels, right? 
Yeah, yep. math. I don't. I don't do math in public. <laughs> the good thing for everyone is that you're pretty good at telling stories. So thanks everyone for listening to our Patreon sample last week with our tale about Sam the Smoking Chimp. And we're not going to be putting any more of those Patreon episodes out there. We figured it'd be fun to let you all in on one of uh, our. I'll speak for us. Can I speak for us? Sure. All right. Our favorite stories in the Ohio Valley. And ultimately, I really hope you guys just enjoyed that lighthearted tale. We get so bogged down sometimes in some of the true crime mysteries that we cover here that uh, a little bit of a, uh, not a jovial mystery, but one where there aren't as many dead people. Mm -hmm. I think that generally can go a long way in continuing the longevity of our listeners on this show. But let's get into this one by walking up the river to the sleepy city of Owensboro, Kentucky. Well, what can you tell the good folks on the other side of the headphones about Owensboro? Honestly, it seems like one of the sleepiest cities in Kentucky. I mean, despite being one of the largest in the Commonwealth, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on in Owensboro. That's not a bad thing per se, but it's certainly not the kind of city that I expect the crimes that we're about to discuss. Fun fact, it's also the hometown of the one and only Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp. There we go, Nate. Yeah, so I know we sometimes talk about kind of under-the-radar notable figures from these small towns that we cover, but Johnny Depp, I'm going to say, has to be one of the biggest names mentioned on this show. All right, so let's jump into this one. We have quite a bit of foul play to cover today. We absolutely do have quite a bit to cover today, so let's get into it. We start this story in the year of 1986 in the aforementioned town of Owensboro, Kentucky. Mary Ethel, or Angie Dickens, was 23 years old and really just living her best life. She had her own place, she was going out, really taking in all that youth has to offer. Now, late nights often turn into early mornings, as you and I both know, mm-hmm. well, Hold on, I haven't been out past midnight in a little while. Nate, when have you been out past midnight? This past mm, weekend. There it is. <laughs> do, do I have a problem? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. I'll <laughs> be staying out late this coming weekend for my bachelorette party, oh, so... Wow. I'm sure I'm going to be raising enough hell to even us out there. Yeah, I'm counting on it. So I'll try to steer clear of your path of destruction through all of downtown Cincinnati smart, this smart. weekend. Uh, anyway, let's get back to Angie. Her friends drove her home after a night at the bars in O-Town and then went to a house on the 1800 block of West 2nd Street. Her friends recounted that there was an old model car with two men that seemed to be following them. When they dropped off Angie and drove away from her apartment, It's noted that they saw Angie go back to the car that had been following the girls and start talking to the men inside of the vehicle. It's unclear whether the men in the car were hollering at her or if she seemed like she knew them or whatever. Either way, this would be the last time that Angie would be seen alive. Days went by and no one knew that Angie was gone. She lived on her own and really didn't keep exceptionally close contact with her family, so no one reported her missing for over a month. You think it's wild that no one reported her missing for that long? 100%. I mean, if it were today, then yeah. We're also connected personally through our phones that it would just be crazy to think that if we could go a week without anyone hearing from us, that you know nobody would cause any commotion or sure. ask. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was 23, so wouldn't she be working? I mean, I figured that if I miss work for at least one day, let alone two, three, four, somebody would ask where I was. And she was going out, too, so she yep. had some money, probably, a little bit of pocket change to spend. I mean, I know that uh, girls can sometimes go out to the bars and get guys to buy drinks for them and That's whatnot. That's a secret. Is, I was going to say, yeah, you can get out uh, pretty cheap sometimes, but I would imagine if you continue and you're 23, you want to have a little bit of spending money, so... 
I think that that really bothers me the most, that just no one knew that she was missing. My boss one time didn't get the memo that I was coming into work one morning. This was very recent, and I thought they were going to send the search dogs <laughs> for me because I checked my email later on, and I had like 30 emails asking where I was, text messages, all the uh, all the above. Yeah, my boss one time didn't get the memo that I wasn't coming into work one morning, and I thought they were going to send the search dogs looking for me. Still, Dickens was missing and would not even be looked for for several weeks after the taking took place. And it's hard enough to find someone when they've been gone for a few hours. But 20-ish, 30-ish days, uh, there has to be just a ridiculously low rate of recovery of those taken people, which is terrifying to think. For sure. Especially in a sleepy city like Owensboro. If anyone goes missing, it's certainly worth noting. But if two or even three people go missing, that's going to get the people's attention. Or at least it should. Folks, this story is far from over. So buckle in and get ready for some major twists and turns that we'll cover after the break. Here on Mysteries of the Ohio Valley. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And with that, we're back in the Motov groove. We promised a few interesting developments in the story, so we're going to try not to waste any time and get right into it. So let's quickly recap. We have a young woman go missing in June of 1986. That's really odd considering that she wasn't thought to just have up and left for any reason at all. Let's switch gears for a second and move our story up to July 6th of 86, where Owensboro High School student Shannon Rena Green was walking a little afternoon to visit a family friend a 39-year-old man named John Rainier. Now, John had a bit of a rough history, with his criminal record dating back to 1966. Rainier spent about 10 years in prison between 66 and 86 and was quite close to the Green family. According to Rainier, he was supposed to attend a family barbecue at his grandmother's and would not be home to see Shannon. Some accounts state that Shannon was coming over to watch the house or to babysit, but Either way, she had a purpose for going over there. She took no extra clothes with her. She didn't take any money. Heck, she didn't even take her driver's license with her. She also had called her mother and asked her to pick her up from Rainier's house, which is about two and a half miles away from the Green residence. She didn't have a history of running away, nor was she suspected of having any kind of family troubles at home. She also had a steady boyfriend. And with all that said, this was the last time that anyone knew of Shannon's whereabouts. The steady boyfriend thing is what stood out most to me while reading through this case because it makes it extra strange that a few days after Shannon's disappearance, a man who identified himself as Dwayne called her mother and said he and Shannon had run away to get married. Now, is this possible? Sure. But is it the likely story here? Well, I'm not really buying it, especially because of what happens next. David Dwayne Bell was another 16-year-old in Owensboro in 1986. He had blonde hair and brown eyes and was addressed by his middle name, Dwayne. Sound familiar? He has a burn scar and a tattoo of his initials, DB, on his right arm. 
He also had been reported missing very shortly after Shannon. Yeah, Dwayne was last seen in Owensboro, Kentucky on July 11th of 1986. His friends and family really got alarmed when they found his blue bike abandoned. And there are a couple differing accounts on where that bike was found. But either way, Dwayne's loved ones say that he was very attached to that bicycle and took very good care of it. He never would have left it out or left it unattended. That's kind of odd, right? I mean, oh, yeah. did you have something like that? I mean, I, I don't know. Did you ride bikes a lot when you were growing up? I mean, yeah, but nothing where I was like extremely attached to it like this guy. And but if you, anyways, if you, like, you loved your car, sure, people know that if it's People know if all of a sudden it's found and you're nowhere near it or, you know, it's been a few days, things are going to... Something just doesn't look right Mm -hmm. in in this case. And uh, Dwayne has never been heard from again. And obviously when you now have three people that are missing from Owensboro, Kentucky, uh, not that big of a town as we've talked about. It is, but not really, you know. You don't really think of Owensboro and say, oh, that's right up there with... Louisville, Lexington, right. or uh, even, even I kind of consider it as like Frankfurt almost sure. when I think of Kentucky cities. Although I've never really, I've been to Owensboro a few times, but I would guarantee that there is way more to do in Owensboro than there is in Frankfurt. One would hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, Frankfurt is, we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about Isn't Kentucky Wesleyan there too? Kentucky, Kentucky Wesleyan's out there. Yeah. Brescia's out there is another uh, university in that area. So there are a couple good ones in that little spot. Yeah, so but, my uh, point being, there has to be stuff going on there. Yeah, the, you have to recruit college kids to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the area and to continue their education. So yeah, I would definitely agree and continue their athletic careers, which was more, I guess, related to what you and I have done exactly. mostly in our own journalistic efforts. Naturally, investigators think that he might have had knowledge on the disappearance of Shannon Green, who disappeared from Owensboro again just a few days before he did, and was possibly killed so he couldn't go to police. And they knew each other. That's the crazy thing. And further, they were at a mutual friend's home the day before Shannon disappeared. Everything continues to get scarier and scarier as these stories seem to be more and more connected. The Angie Dickens thing, that's still kind of out there in, uh, you know, our pathway through this crime but still those two definitely seem like they're together and they also don't seem like they just up and left to go get married in vegas or wherever they were off to no not a chance authorities have long suspected that john rainier was involved in shannon's case he is a convicted murderer and sex offender and a former friend of the bell family he maintains his innocence and claims Dwayne and his father who was also called david Dwayne bell but went by david were involved in Shannon's disappearance. Rainier claims Dwayne confessed to strangling Shannon in 1986 and implicated his father. Even more, Rainier stated that he tape-recorded the confession and turned it over to the police. The tape was apparently documented in police files, but was never saved, and records of it were not found until fall of 2005. Rainier stated he planned to kill Dwayne and David after hearing the confession, but never got a chance to do so. He also passed a lie detector test about his role in Shannon and Dwayne's disappearance. This whole thing is just spiraling out of control, I feel. The whole tape-recorded confession, first of all... Is wild. Did he just know that he was going to come in and start confessing, and then he just clicked a tape recorder? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that he was able to have that seems almost too convenient. That's a good point. Like, he could have faked it. I mean, someone already tried to fake a voice before. Sure. In faking that they were uh, Dwayne, right, running off with Shannon to go get married. 
And when I was reading, I was like, well, this whole It's almost thing, too perfect. It does seem almost too perfect. And the fact that it was handed into police disappears for nearly 20 years. Yeah. And then Not magically okay. the transcript and tape are released. That seems like there's just another layer of corruption on top of this sure. that you and I and everyone listening are probably never going to be privy to and really know exactly what happened. Still, that transcript we've got, and we're actually going to give you all a dramatization of how it all went down. And so one voice will be Rainier, who is shocked that David Bell has come in and told him all of this stuff and has confessed to these heinous acts. And the other one, obviously, is going to be David Dwayne Bell, the first, or senior senior in that case, who really is just trying to apparently tell someone of the awful things that he did. Let's go to our reenactment of this recording. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Uh, you got any money I can borrow? How much? I might have a few dollars. Uh, about about a couple hundred anyway. Shit, I ain't got no $200. I wish I did have. I need it pretty bad. I, I got to get out of town. Why is that? I, I done something the other day, and I, I need to get out of town for a while. Me and her been into it for a while, and I, I just got pissed off. Did you beat her up? Yeah. Hell, the other day, apparently she ain't going to tell on you or you done be in trouble. It's worse than that. I, I mean, I hurt her real bad. Hurt some others, too. I need to get out of town pretty bad. Who all did you hurt? It's a girl and a kid. A kid? Yeah. Hadn't nobody called the police on you yet? No, there's another girl. I hurt her pretty bad, too. Well, how come ain't nobody been to the police on you? What the hell are you trying to do? Just get a hold of a little money? Trying to talk me out of it? Well, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, they can't go to the police. Why can't they? Because I, I killed one of I, I killed them. Where did you kill them at? How come there ain't no bodies showed up or nothing? Well, I, I hit them pretty good. You hid them good? Yeah. Hid them where? You ain't going to tell me where you hit them? I don't blame you. I wouldn't tell neither. I put them in a cornfield. Hey, man, you were scary. If you're telling the truth, I don't know what to tell you. If you're lying, I don't know about no goddamn lie like that either. I don't want to be involved in it. How can you come to me with this shit anyway? I, I don't know. I need some money. And David Bell, who moved to Arizona shortly after his son's disappearance maintains his innocence in Shannon's case and stated that he did not believe that Dwayne was involved in it either. He theorized that Rainier caused Shannon's disappearance and Dwayne found out about it and was murdered to ensure his silence. Investigators still believe Rainier was complicit in Shannon's disappearance, whether or not the supposed confession is accurate. Authorities also stated that David gave inconsistent accounts of the events leading up to Dwayne's disappearance, but he has not been charged in his son's case or Shannon's. Devin, this whole thing just continues to grow and grow and grow out of control. First of all, the tape. Then you've got this confession. Could he have faked the voice? Who knows? Apparently, the police have identified both individuals 
as Rainier and Bell in that confession tape. So it seems like that confession tape is legit, but there are no convictions. There's really no nothing. Again, the tape was missing for 20 years. Three people are gone. Hey, by the way, did I tell you that Angie Dickens was found in a cornfield? Yeah. Did that Gosh. sound familiar during that exactly. read? Exactly. I mean, what more could you want? And these things continued to build up and spiral out of control. Law enforcement swore that that did not exist. But thankfully, some great journalism by the Owensboro folks. We'll talk about them here toward the end of this show. But man, what a wild and really scary story that this could happen and people can walk scot-free. Now, John Rainier, however, did end up going to prison for rape and murder. So let's that, not forget about that little not detail. Let's not forget about that. He had a criminal history before, but we can call balls and strikes on this case and kind of forget about what happened before and after. Maybe not totally forget, but you need to just look at the facts here. I mean, this confession tape. Yeah, I don't think Rainier would turn in the confession tape if he was the one that did the murdering. I mean, because you clearly have somebody admitting to the murder. Um, I don't know. What do you think? And police did, again, confirm that the two voices on the confession tape, one was Rainier and the other one was David Bell. So It was confessing to the murders. Exactly. But if he handed in the tape and then the police hit it, but the police have also confirmed that these are the two individuals in this tape. It seems like there are two different methods of policing here, or maybe two different groups of policing. And I don't know, over 20 years, you get different individuals in. Maybe some crooked cops end up getting booted out. Some uh, new ones come in that are a little more straight-laced, and they just kind of look at this case fresh and don't have anything tying them to maybe having any kind of intention of covering it up. I don't know. I, I Again, this is such a head-scratcher, and it is so sad that three people ended up going missing. Most likely are all murdered. And not Um, to mention... Dwayne left and he went to Arizona. Yeah, immediately after Red flag. this all took place and the confession tape said that he needed to get out of town. Uh, I don't know. And, but again, let's roll it back and let's think, well, there was the original call to Shannon's mother who unfortunately passed in 1997 and she'll never know, or maybe she knows now at least, of uh, what happened to her daughter. But still... When the call came in and said, hey, this is Dwayne, and me and your daughter have done run off, I wonder, obviously, I mean, someone's faking that voice, it seems. Mm. Police have identified that this is a hoax. Now, I know that I said that police confirmed that there were two different voices on that tape and that those two voices were Rainier and Bell, but they could have got that wrong, mm-hmm. and it could have been another hoax. Who's to say that it wasn't Rainier? Maybe he's uh, psychopathic and he's able to just totally lie, totally straight face it, get through the lie detector test so no one's really thinking that it is him. He also can fake the voices. Maybe he's a great voice man. Hmm. It could be. It could be. Now I'm nervous that I'm sitting next to a murderer. You'll never know, Devin. You'll never know. But I will say this. We probably will never know what the true case result is in this because... It seems like all of the evidence is out there. It seems like there's enough to at least look further in to individuals like Dwayne, or excuse me, David Dwayne Bell, the father of Dwayne Bell, and at least look into this. He knew all of them. John Rainier knew all of them. Rainier does have a darker past. I don't know. It's a it's it's a dirty and dangerous game that seems like everyone in that town that was involved in this case was playing in and. 
unfortunately, three people have lost their lives due to it. Uh, way too soon. Gone way, way, way too soon. That's a shame. We have all of this evidence, but no bodies in jail and no justice being served. And David did move back to Owensboro, right? That's creepy. Yeah. So he moves away after the disappearance of his son and two girls, and then ends up in like 2002, making his way back to Owensboro. And then in 05, the tape is released. So So where is he now, and why haven't police found him? Maybe they say that there isn't enough, really. Maybe that they're saying that the confession tape is uh, is hokey, or it's not really there. They confirmed it was him. They One cop did, but maybe another cop said, ah, I don't mm. think so. You know, maybe there were differing accounts throughout that. Either way, this was not a clean job by anyone, either the ones who did the crimes nor the police that were doing the investigation. Really a tragic tale and kind of a scary tale that this could happen in a, again, we, we are downplaying the size of Owensboro, but you would think that a city with that much population would still get enough resources from the state and would have enough resources allocated to create a fine and fair police department. I don't know. Maybe it was crooked. Maybe it wasn't. That's not, I guess, for us to really call, and they can make up their decisions on their own. Again, we gave you pretty much the entire conversation and, I guess, confession by David Bell. Whether or not you think that it is real, again, this was just a dramatization, that is up to you. We added uh, some individual comments that were made by the now imprisoned, right, and uh, with uh, definitely the shady history in Rainier, but still, these comments he made, yeah, I know he said that he wanted to kill after hearing that. That's not great to not hear, great. no, and this man was obviously troubled, but I think that could be said about a number of different individuals in this case. The hope that I have is that everyone listening can gain a decent enough opinion about this that they can look into it more or they can do whatever it takes to make sure that this continues to be brought to light. Not a lot of podcasts have covered this. A few have, but ultimately this story has gone mostly forgotten and that cannot happen because not often do you have things like this, this mysterious tape and so many fingers being pointed at different individuals and multiple people dead. This isn't one person dead. This is multiple people gone, uh, I don't know. Or, or Devin, do you think that they uh, really did run off and get married? Yeah, I definitely don't think they just ran off and got married. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what could have happened. Maybe David killed her and then the son found out and then you know the, the dad had to make the ultimate choice of killing his son. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It absolutely is. And I want to give a big shout out to a journalist who really, I mean, she was the one who seemingly got the transcript out there on News 14 or 14 News, an NBC outlet in the Owensboro area. It's Stephanie Sylvie, uh, her news media producer, Carrie Corum, were two that did a lot of great, great, great journalism work uh, and helping to uncover some of these issues and really bring it to light. I am just so happy that journalists continue to truly speak truth to power because mm-hmm. if this were to go unchecked, who knows if any podcast some 14 years later would be talking or 16 years later would be talking right. about a tape uncovered. 
in a 20-year-old tape being uncovered in 2005. Just Unreal. trying to bring light to these cold cases, for sure. And uh, again, they did fin- fantastic. And uh, and I'm going to put a link to these articles that she did. I don't know if she's still with 14 News. I'd imagine she's probably gone on to even bigger things in Owensboro. But uh, just terrific, terrific work. And we appreciate everything that all of our sources do, be it the Charlie Project, be it 14 News in Owensboro, be it the Wall Street Journal, wherever we're looking for stuff. We thank you all. And Devin, I thank you for sticking with us through this story. I know that... Uh, Glad to be here, Nate. Yeah, we. Uh, this is weird. It's the home stretch now, I feel, mm-hmm. in, in season two of Mysteries of the Ohio Valley. But we're getting towards spooky season. Ooh. We're getting toward October, one of my favorite times of the year. And Devin, it's one of... Maybe, is it one of your favorite times still? I don't know, because the mm. fall is yeah, uh, coming. Um, and Unless it's summer, it's not my favorite. Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> well, we will try to keep the stories and the... I guess cases hot, hot, hot as we go into October and the weather continues to drop here. But guys, we really appreciate all of you listening and continuing to support us. And we hope that you all, again, join us over on Patreon. We're going to be doing a special thing for Patreon here toward the end of the month, a case that will never be covered on our main feed. It's only going to be for our Patreon members. So uh, make sure that you go over there and support us. And uh, of course, Instagram too. Devin, you're a big fan of the IG. So uh, we just crossed over 100 followers. Let's too. go. So thank you to all of them. And uh, we'll continue to try to make good stuff. And you guys just keep on keeping on and keep on coming back for more. She's Devin Beasley. And he's Nate Metz. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you all next time. Later on, down the river. You've listened to Mysteries of the Ohio Valley, proudly produced by Stoveleg Media, hosted by Nate Metz, hey, that's me, and Devin Beasley, music done by Brad Metz, and the artwork by Crystal Witt. Thanks again for checking it out, and go to Stoveleg.com to learn more about your hosts and find other great shows to listen to. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.